Thomas's presents Tackling Traffic with Tom. Good morrow. Tis your reminder to savour the morning with Thomas's breakfast. And while you may not be able to control what occurs on your commute, like your horse and buggy popping a wheel and axle on the way to the schoolhouse, you can control what you put atop your soft but crunchy bagel and the toastiness of your English muffin. So do take the time to savour the morning with Thomas's. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Good Friday morning, President Biden before the cameras in prime time. Over mounting questions about his age and his memory. It's February 9th. This is today. On defense, the president blasting a special counsel report that cleared him of criminal charges, but took devastating aim at his mental competence, labeling him an elderly man with a poor memory. My memory is fine. The president firing back in defiant form at the special counsel allegation he couldn't remember when his own son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? This morning, the reaction in Washington and what it means for the president's re-election campaign. Highly skeptical Supreme Court arguments over whether Donald Trump can be on the ballot, why the high court appears poised to rule in Trump's favor, and when that closely watched decision could be revealed. One-on-one, Tucker Carlson releases his hours-long interview with Vladimir Putin, the Russian president holding court, pushing falsehoods and propaganda on the war in Ukraine, U.S. involvement and the prospects of peace, the latest, and why Russian state media is celebrating the interview this morning. Airport accident, two jet blue planes collide in Boston, clipping wings on the tarmac. Both flights canceled. Just ahead, the investigation now underway. All that plus spring fever, tens of millions getting set to enjoy a weekend warm-up. Al will tell us where to expect record high temps. And what happens in Vegas? Super Bowl excitement reaching a fever pitch. The team's ready. Usher putting the final touches on his halftime show. Definitely has been a challenge to squeeze 30 years into 13 minutes. And even Prince Harry joining the fun. Good evening, NFL. You need to know for the big game, and we're throwing a Super Bowl pep rally with super fans of the Chiefs and the Niners today, Friday, February 9th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today, Friday morning. Nice to have you with us. Hoda got a jump on the weekend. Yeah. Super Bowl fever. Oh. We're throwing a pep rally. Yes, we are. In the Bay Area and in Kansas City. They're up early. There's Las Vegas. We're counting it down. And Usher showed a little leg about the uh, Super Bowl halftime show. Now we know something. He did yesterday. He did show a little leg, as you put it. Looking forward to the show. Looking forward to the big game on Sunday. Also looking forward to uh, spending some time with those fans and Casey and the Bay Area. Yeah, we're going to go big on the Super Bowl. We've got a lot of news to get to this morning, including those two big stories unfolding in Washington that have the potential to shape the 2024 election. The Supreme Court taking on Donald Trump's ballot battle in Colorado and an investigation into President Biden's handling of classified documents. Meanwhile, Trump actually notched another win in the Republican race overnight. This time in Nevada, it came 
hours after the Supreme Court appeared to lean toward keeping him on the ballot in Colorado. As for President Biden, he scored a legal victory. No criminal charges will be filed in that document's case. But he was forced to defend himself in prime time after the special counsel referred to the president as a, quote, sympathetic, well-meaning and elderly man with a poor memory. We've got complete coverage. We'll start with NBC's Peter Alexander at the White House. Peter, good morning. Savannah and Craig, good morning to both of you. President Biden late Thursday trying to blunt the stinging assessment by special counsel Robert Hur coming before the cameras in what was really an extremely rare nighttime news conference here. Legally, no criminal charges are warranted, Hur said, but the political peril may be harder to, to, to contain with the special counsel focusing heavily on what he called the president's hazy memory. President Biden angry and defiant. My memory is fine. In a hastily called evening news conference, the president responding directly to special counsel Robert Hur's report on his handling of classified documents. Mr. President, on the document! That included a blistering assessment of the 81-year-old's age and what the report called his diminished faculties in advancing age. The president slamming Hur's assessment that he did not remember when his son Bo died. How in the hell dare he raise that? I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone remind me when he passed away. The remarks coming hours after the special counsel said our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency, but said no criminal charges are warranted in this matter, adding that a jury would likely see the president as a sympathetic, well-meaning and elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. Moments later, the president confusing Mexico and Egypt when talking about the crisis in Gaza. The president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. The special counsel said Mr. Biden kept documents about Afghanistan marked classified and notebooks with handwritten entries implicating intelligence sources and methods. This, these assertions are not only misleading, they're just plain wrong. Prosecutors say these photos show classified documents improperly stored in a badly damaged box near a collapsed dog crate in the president's Delaware garage. A separate special counsel is investigating former President Trump's alleged mishandling of classified information found at his Mar-a-Lago estate. Mr. Trump, who has pleaded not guilty to 40 federal criminal counts, blasting the lack of charges against President Biden, calling it a two-tiered system of justice. But the Her report says there are clear differences, saying Mr. Biden alerted authorities about the documents and cooperated with the investigation, while Mr. Trump allegedly did the opposite, in others to destroy evidence and then to lie about it. So why speak out late last night? White House officials, sources tell NBC News, concluded that the president needed to address the special counsel's most damning allegations head on to show his anger. They found the attacks on his memory and the words of one source gratuitous and believed it was critical that the president call out what they see as purely political criticism from her, who they argue was concerned about potential backlash from conservatives for not charging President Biden with a crime. Savannah. All right, Peter, thank you. When I get more on this, the fallout, the report and President Biden's response, NBC's senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson is with us. Hallie, as you look at this and analyze this, I mean, it's a body blow uh, to, to President Biden in a place where he already was vulnerable. How damaging do you think this could be? 
Well, here's another phrase for it, gut punch. That's the way that one source described it to me on the Democratic side, Savannah, to see these quotes specifically about memory, specifically about mental state of President Biden here. And that is partly because it validates in many ways, again, in the eyes of some Biden allies, the preconceived notions, the preconceived concerns that voters already have about the president. We already know that three quarters of voters, based on our most recent poll, believe that they do have concerns about President Biden, his age, his mental fitness for the job, essentially. And what this is doing, it is going directly at that, Savannah. That is part of why you are seeing, I think, a level of concern uh, among those in the Democratic Party about how this plays out, what the fallout could potentially be. Now, listen, there's there's often much said about Democratic bedwetting, if you will. I did speak with one person who said, listen, some of these concerns when it comes to November could end up being overblown. But I do think that there are those uh, close to the president who are in that orbit who believe that this could be potentially damaging for him down the road. Savannah, partly because Republicans are not going to let go on this. Well, if you, if you look no further than the White House calling for a primetime news conference to address these very issues, that shows the White House considers it to be quite serious. And so you look at the remarks overnight, Savannah, and again, very interesting here. We don't often see these sort of impromptu news conferences, if you will, from President Biden. He's not, for example, doing a traditional Super Bowl interview. Uh, we've talked about that on Sunday here. Part of this, right, is depending on how you see it, gives a sense of, of how you take away from the remarks, right? And by that, I mean this. Democrats will look at this and say, listen, he was emotional. He really forcefully responded to what Republicans have seized on, which is the idea that he forgot about when his own son died. You saw the president get choked up about that. You saw the president really respond there. At the same time, and this is something that those on the other side of the aisle are pointing to, he confused Mexico and Egypt when he came back to the podium, by the way, after almost walking away. Uh, and that is something that you are also seeing people talk about this morning. So it, it kind of it depends on how you look at it. Oh, just have a few seconds, Hallie, but I just have to ask. I mean, it, listen, neither one of these candidates are young men. Let's be honest, okay? And both have had senior moments. Donald That's Trump right. recently confusing Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi on January 6th. There have been other gaffes about, you know, the next we're going to start World War II and so forth. Do voters treat them equally in terms no. of that issue? They don't. And we see that in the polls. Only 48, fewer than half of voters, Savannah, in our most recent poll have the same concerns about Donald Trump's age and mental fitness for the job than they do about President Biden. For whatever reason that is, that is something that is a consternation, I think, to Democrats here as they move forward in this campaign season. All right, Holly Jackson, thank you very much. Returning now to another case that will have a major impact on the presidential race, the Supreme Court hearing arguments on Donald Trump's eligibility to run for office. Republican frontrunner appealing the decision by Colorado's top court that bans him from the state's primary ballot. Meanwhile, Mr. Trump scoring another victory in the Republican race overnight. NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jared here with more on this one. Laura, good morning to you. Hey, Craig, good morning to you. We talk about the overlap between law and politics this year and what's happening at the U.S. Supreme Court is Exhibit A. You have both the conservative and liberal justices bristling at the concept of kicking Donald Trump off the presidential ballot, all as he inches another step closer to securing the Republican nomination. Donald Trump notching another win overnight in Nevada, winning support from the majority of the state's Republican caucus goers, according to an NBC News projection, appearing likely on the road to a legal victory as well. Our Supreme Court hopefully will be doing something in terms of helping our country and preserving democracy. And I think they had a very, very interesting day and a very beautiful day a divided Supreme Court coalescing in their skepticism over an issue that could upend the presidential race. 
appearing unwilling to condone the effort to kick Mr. Trump off the presidential ballot. The question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. I mean, that seems quite extraordinary, doesn't it? Pointed questions like that one for the lawyer representing six voters in Colorado, who successfully managed to get the Republican frontrunner disqualified from the state's primary ballot under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which bans those who engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding public office again. I've lived a hell of a long time, and I've gone through a lot of presidents, and this is the first one that is trying to destroy the Constitution. But Thursday's oral arguments less focused on whether Mr. Trump's actions amounted to an insurrection. Instead, the justices appearing more troubled by the prospect of affirming a single state court's decision that could have massive political ramifications nationwide. What about the idea that um, we should think about democracy, think about the right of the people to elect uh, candidates of their choice, of letting the people decide, because your position has the effect of disenfranchising uh, voters to a significant degree. Well, Laura, I mean, the road is littered with people who've guessed from oral arguments what the Supreme Court will do. Listen, we've all been there. But in this case, you have to say, I mean, it was overwhelmingly apparent that the court appears that it will keep Trump on the ballot. Uh, Undoubtedly. We don't know why. We'll see what the reasoning ends up being. When do you expect this decision to come? So the voters in Colorado have actually asked for them to rule this weekend. I think that's probably a stretch, but I do think we will see it well before Super Tuesday because the justices know the political calendar just as we all do. March 5th, voters in Colorado and more than a dozen states are set to go to the polls. So I think they want to make sure this issue is cleared up before those primary ballots are done. And because of all the other primaries that are coming right behind it, they want to get this done fast. I'll see. We'll see you in the next couple weeks. All right, Laura Jarrett. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Also, this morning reaction from Washington and around the world is pouring into that rare and and lengthy interview with Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, opening up to Tucker Carlson inside the Kremlin on the war in Ukraine, Russia's relationship with the United States, even artificial intelligence. NBC's chief international correspondent Kier Simmons joins us with details on this. Kier, good morning. Craig, good morning to you. For more than two hours, President Putin was allowed to focus on his favorite topics, history, the CIA, Ukraine, almost entirely unchallenged. His interviewer, Tucker Carlson, who in the past has expressed sympathy for President Putin, let the first answer run for around 30 minutes. With the war in Ukraine on a knife edge, President Putin says Russia has always wanted to talk. He has said that before. All the while, continuing to pummel the country with drones, missiles and other weapons. We have never refused negotiations, indeed. The interview with Conservative former Fox News host Tucker Carlson echoing talking points from Donald Trump's election campaign. Don't you have anything better to do? You have issues on the border. They are messages Putin has repeated time and time again, including in our interview before attacking Ukraine. Will you commit now not to send any further Russian troops into Ukrainian sovereign territory? You, the US, crossed an ocean with military equipment, he told me, and yet you believe somehow we are acting aggressively. But his invasion has killed and wounded hundreds of thousands of people in Ukraine and Russia. 
He said again that he is looking to do a deal over jailed Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich, this time clearly signalling that Russia wants to exchange the American journalist for a Russian FSB assassin jailed in Germany. I do not rule out that the person you refer to, Mr. Gershkovich, may return to his motherland. This morning, the Wall Street Journal saying in a statement, Evan is a journalist and journalism is not a crime. We're encouraged to see Russia's desire for a deal that brings Evan home and we hope this will lead to his rapid release. NBC News continues to report from Russia. Last month, we travelled to a Putin event as he stands for election with a small, hand-picked audience. I'll vote for Putin, this woman told us later, comparing the Ukraine war with the war on terrorism. This week, a candidate we met in December who opposes the Ukraine war was banned from the election. And Craig, uh, President Putin's objectives for this interview will have been to influence Washington. Congress still hasn't approved more funding for Ukraine and to influence his own voters ahead of his election in March. This interview is being celebrated by the Russian media. The headline with the state news agency TASS, Putin is trending on X. Craig. Chief International Correspondent Keir Simmons for us. Keir, thank you. Two JetBlue planes collided yesterday on the tarmac at Logan Airport in Boston. You can see the cell phone video showing damage to one of the plane's wings. The two aircraft were in the de-icing area when this happened. JetBlue said in a statement that both planes were taken out of service immediately for repairs. Passengers rebooked on other flights. This is the third plane collision at Logan Airport in the last year. Uh, it is Coming up on 717, time for that first check of the weather. And for that, we say hello to Mr. Roker. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. And I think you're if you're in the eastern half of the country, you're going to like to see this map. Got to give the devil his due. The groundhog, Phil, seems to be right, at least in the eastern half of the country. Widespread chill out to the to the west, but 10 to 30 degrees above average east of the Mississippi. Chicago today. 54 degrees, that's 12 degrees above average. Little Rock, 70. Syracuse, 59 degrees, almost 30 degrees above average. These are temperatures for Syracuse, should be mid-April. Late uh, late March in Washington, D.C., late April in St. Louis with a high of 73 degrees today. Tomorrow, Boston, you're going to be at 55 degrees, almost 20 degrees above average. Charleston, 65. That would normally be a, your temperature on April 5th. Spring-like days of day from Carolinas to New England. Raleigh, April 18th is your temperature 73 degrees. Then we get into early next week and temperatures, while a little cooler, still above average for Richmond, New York. Temperatures will be into the mid-40s. Atlanta, you'll stay into the mid-60s until Tuesday with about 53 degrees. Memphis, 53 by Tuesday. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Mr. Roker, thank you, sir. Still ahead, an inside look at the plan to restore one of Egypt's ancient pyramids it's sparking major backlash there. Are they needed repairs or just a stunt to attract more tourists? And then with just two days to go, Super Bowl excitement has reached a fever pitch. NBC's Kaylee Hartung taking it all in live from Las Vegas. Hi, Kaylee. Hey, good morning, guys. In football terms, I'd say we're in the red zone now. And in fabulous Las Vegas, the surprises, they keep on coming. Last night, as Sin City rolled out the red carpet for some of the league's biggest stars, coming up, we will tell you who left them starstruck. All right, Kaylee, but first, this is today on NBC. Oh. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. 
There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Are they fired up and ready to go? Wow. 732 groups who are probably even more excited about the Super Bowl <laughs> than us, but just by a smidge. We have lined up the biggest fans of the 49ers and the Chiefs. This is today's Super Bowl pep rally. <laughs> Chanel, we knew you wanted to be here Absolutely. for the party. Can we just be clear? It is early there. I mean, and look what's happening. I mean, it's something like 4.30 in the morning. Yes. It's like California. the fun is not going to stop from now no. until Super Bowl Sunday. But Rolling first, party. let's focus on the game itself. Now just, what, two short days away? Yeah, yeah about two days ago. We're actually going to break down the matchup with our guy, NBC Sports. Mike Tirico is standing by. Uh, first, though, NBC's Kaylee Hartung is in Vegas once again with more on another big draw during the big game. The halftime show, as Savannah said earlier, Usher showing a little leg yesterday, giving us a, <laughs> I thought that's a what they said. I did say that. Was that inappropriate? No, no, it was not. Am I canceled? No, no? no okay. he did show a little leg yesterday, Kaylee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Metaphorically. Uh, yeah, he absolutely did. Metaphorically, he absolutely did. Well, guys, we're getting our own little pep rally started in Vegas. I brought some friends with me this morning, and I think as excited as we are for the big game, we're just as excited for the halftime show. Am I right, girls? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So Usher giving us some more hints about what we're in for, saying he's going to put on his skates and give us a Las Vegas-style spectacle for the millions watching around the world. With just 48 hours until kickoff, the 49ers and Chiefs putting in their final hours of work. It's chaos, man. It's a lot of fun, a lot of energy of practices. And now, R&B star Usher has entered the chat. Definitely has been a challenge to squeeze 30 years into 13 minutes. Teasing the celebration of his music career during the Super Bowl 58 halftime show. The eight-time Grammy winner, tight-lipped about the details of his set, but hinting at who could join him on stage to surprise the millions watching. I think I made it easy for myself when I decided to have, like, features on songs that became hit records. From Alicia Keys and Nicki Minaj to Lil Jon and Justin Bieber, Usher's history of high-profile collaborators and his generational hits, leaving fans guessing. Usher Super Bowl predictions, let's go. Let's get it. The pregame ceremony, tapping country legend Reba McIntyre to sing the national anthem. I prepared by being prepared. (laughs) I've been singing the national anthem in the shower. (laughs) While rapper Post Malone will perform America the Beautiful. Then there's Taylor Swift. A source close to the couple confirms the pop star will be at the big game to cheer on boyfriend Travis Kelsey. Who'd have thought we'd see a year when Taylor Swift went to more playoff games than Bill Belichick? Overnight, Las Vegas pulled out all the stops for NFL honors. Even a surprise appearance from Prince Harry, presenting an award just a day after traveling back from London to visit his father. I really love how you, uh, you stole rugby from us and, <laughs> and you made it your own. All kidding aside, 
What you guys do on and off the field is truly remarkable. Prince freaking Harry. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. And Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was named league MVP for the second time. My team is a team thing, you know, for these awards. Now the countdown is on to the final hours in the pursuit of the NFL's biggest prize. And guys, back to that halftime show because we can't talk enough about it. If you just can't wait to see Usher take the stage in two days, he's done us all a favor to hold us over. He dropped his new album overnight. It's called Coming Home. I think I'm going to go stream it right now. You guys have work to do. All right. Wow. <laughs> that is part of your assignment, Kaylee, right? Yes. Research. Uh, you know who else is in Vegas? Right there next to Kaylee. Who? Usually on the craps table, but with us this morning. <laughs> Mike Tarico. Mike. Wait, wait. He's like, what? No, I know. We know. Craps table. He's a no, jacket. no, Come exactly. Come on, exactly. showing leg craps table. Come on. No, the sports desk. <laughs> Actually, so Mike, literally, let's place our bets, shall we? This is a rematch, four yeah. years in the making. Yeah. How do you frame mm. it out? What do you think? Who do you give the advantage to? So, man, this is a great matchup. It really is. Because the 49ers have been good this whole time. Just win that game to get to the Super Bowl. Last year, NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. Their quarterback gets hurt. The Eagles go, as you well know. And the Chiefs have just been a constant. They plan for Super Bowl weekend, it feels like. So this is a really great matchup of two teams that are not going to have stage fright. They're going to be comfortable on the big stage. And really, when you look at the totality of the season, I think we've got the two best teams other than Baltimore here in the Super Bowl. Mike, you've covered so many of these. I mean, you know how important, obviously, the quarterback is. You've got Patrick Mahomes four times in five years in the Super Bowl. Mr. Irre Mr. Irrelevant from a season ago, Brock Purdy, first time ever uh, in a Super Bowl. How much of a difference do you think that's going to make ultimately, Mike, the, the, the Super Bowl matchup? Craig, that's the beauty of it, right? We don't know. I know you know because your son loves Patrick Mahomes. Who doesn't love Patrick Mahomes and watching him play on these big stages? He said this week one of the cool things, I'm just in my Super Bowl week routine. That means you've been here wow. and done it before. Wow, so he knows what to yeah. bring to the table. Exactly. Perfect. So for Brock Purdy, it's a little bit different, but I love this story. I can't get enough of it. The last pick in the draft, we've had a couple of undrafted players, notably Kurt Warner, star and start in a Super Bowl quarterback. But this is the most unlikely of stories for most of the NFL. You usually talk about those first-round picks. And I think it's one of those days that you celebrate the underdog, you appreciate it. And his way about him, he doesn't look for credit, always yeah. credits the team, just do my job, get the ball to my guys, is a real likable way to watch the other quarterback play opposite Mahomes in this game. Mike, I want to get your take on something else, because there's, as you know, there's been a lot of talk this season about the Chiefs uh, super fan, uh, Travis's girlfriend, uh, Taylor Swift. And there have been some folks who've said, you know what, I'm over it. It's a distraction from the game. And then there are others, like myself, who've said, you know what, my daughter's into football now because <laughs> she loves Taylor Swift. What say you, Mike Tirico? No bigger entertainment star in America. The world. She's over in Tokyo. So the NFL is this big entertainment monster, really, drawing ratings on television unlike we see for anything else. So put these two together, why not? If it brings more fans to the game, yeah. Yeah. who cares? And the New York Times did a great piece, about an average of 35 seconds a game in three and a half hours that Taylor's been on screen. You know what? That's a half minute we can all live with. It. Amen. Well, that was a really good response. It was. And if you want to root for the underdog, root for Mike Tirico on the blackjack table. Okay? <laughs>
unbelievable. I know, that's I, right. You, you that's know me. I love you know, you. just gambling at three thirty in the morning. <laughs> right oh, that's actually. right, Mike. Thanks oh, for getting up so early. Listen, there's no time in Vegas in that casino, <laughs> my friend. So, thank you so much for getting up early with us. We appreciate Test, it. Testing my love for you guys. Oh. Thank you so much. Have a Thanks, great Super Bowl Sunday. We love you. Thank yeah, you so good. much. By the way, we've got much, much more on the game, including our big pep rally and football food. So yes. Stuff you're going to want to make and you can make. Coming right. up. Bones with sauce. Uh, plus <laughs> Always. We're going to turn from football to basketball by taking you inside this really emotional and star-studded night in Los Angeles, honoring Laker legend Kobe Bryant. But first, have you heard about the plan to give one of Egypt's pyramids a major facelift? We're going to take you there for a closer look at what's being done and the controversy is ignited right after this. Listen up, true crime fans. It's a big murder trial underway. This Dateline is launching a new podcast with Andrea Canning. Welcome to Dateline True Crime Weekly. We'll cover breaking crime news around I the mean, country. It is the twists, the turns, the With craziness. the best reporters on the case, NBC News analysts, and Dateline producers on the ground. Over. Break it down for us. Just You'll as get as fresh as insights and behind-the-scenes scoops from crime scenes to courtrooms. That is bizarre. Stay in the, the know and up-to-date. So tell us what he said. It Follow Dateline True Crime Weekly to get new episodes starting Thursday. Wherever you get your podcasts. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back this morning on In-Depth Today, a restoration project that's drawing a fierce backlash. That's because the focus of that work is one of the ancient pyramids in Egypt. And this is Molly Hunter has this story for us. Molly? Hey, guys, good morning. Ignoring this weather, we're going to take you to sunnier climes to a controversy brewing at one of the most famous sites in the world and the battle over conservation versus restoration. Take a look. Built more than 4,500 years ago, they're magnificent. But now there's a controversial project underway to give one of Egypt's iconic pyramids of Giza a facelift. And many Egyptologists aren't happy. Last month, Dr. Mustafa Waziri announced a plan to restore the Mankure Pyramid, the smallest of the three world-famous structures. The project uses laser technology to recase the pyramid with granite blocks found on site scattered at its base. But after swift backlash, work has been paused. UNESCO, which protects the site, says they were unaware of the project, and an international scientific committee will now review the plan. Egyptologists like Dr. Monica Hanna argue recladding the pyramid is unscientific and tantamount to tampering with Egyptian antiquities. The bottom section of the pyramid was faced with a different kind of stone, with a granite stone. Now, if you undo that and you try to put those in place? Are you putting those blocks into the right place or in the wrong place? Archaeologists excavate sites 
all the time to uncover our history, but there's a difference between conservation and restoration. When you restore something, you're, you're actually removing the antiquity. You're beautifying something beyond the ruin, beyond the antiquity that it is. You're perfecting it and you're making something that, that didn't exist. Heading up the new committee is Dr. Zahi Awas. Back in 2021, he granted us exclusive access to a lost city buried for thousands of years near Luxor. And it was just under sand. Under sand. The amazing thing now is what we found inside the city. The second most important discovery after King Tut's tomb in 1922. But when does the modern hand go too far, even in the name of preserving ancient history? Now, critics also argue this may all be a stunt to boost tourism. The country is looking to double its annual visitor count to 30 million people by 2028. Also later this spring, we are finally expecting the opening of the Grand Egyptian Museum, delayed for years, hopefully opening later this spring, also out in Giza. I'll send back to you guys. Oh, all right. It's an interesting debate. Yeah, it is. Molly, thank you so much for that. that all right. Let's go over to Al, get a check of the weather. Alrighty, guys. Well, it has been a bit of a snow drought in the Northeast. Cleveland, about two feet below where it should be for this time of year. And part of the problem is we've, in a lot of places, having its top three rainiest winter on record for much of the Northeast. So we haven't gotten much snow. Albany, 15 inches below where it should be. Burlington, Vermont, two feet below where it should be. Syracuse, 56 inches below where it should be. And now we've got this next risk of a snowstorm. We're going to see what happens. Showers and storms, though, tomorrow firing up through the southeast. We've got a risk of flooding from Texas to Tennessee. Sunday, new rounds of rain going to be soaking the Gulf Coast. And we've got a risk of severe weather from Lufkin, Texas, all the way to Jackson, Mississippi. Possibility of tornadoes there Sunday. Monday, this storm accelerates into the east, intensifies an icy mix from New York back to Cincinnati and and then as we move into Tuesday and colder air moves in, snow may be changing, rain may be changing over to snow. The impacts remain uncertain. we got to watch this track, but we're going to see what happens. We do know we're going to be looking at anywhere from three to four inches of snow from Shreveport, Knoxville, on into Columbia. And then snow, heavier snow, back through the, the Rockies. In fact, they've got winter storm watches up for Denver now into the weekend. And moderate snow possible, interior sections of New York and New England. Lighter snow, possibly New York into Pennsylvania. We're going to have to watch that carefully. And that is your latest weather, guys. Thank you, Al. Still ahead, Taylor Swift. She's changed music, football, and now college. (laughs) We're going to take you inside Harvard's newest class. And yes, it's all about Taylor. Of course it is. Guys, coming up on Pop Hot off the presses. There they are. Gwen and Blake. (laughs) I married him. They got a new song overnight. We'll tell you about it called Purple Irises. (laughs) 